All right, happy Friday, made it all the way through. I wanted to start the show off by saying that I tried your three cups of coffee thing because we, we talk about coffee a lot and I know you love coffee, you're like a coffee guy and I'm like a passive coffee guy. You know, I have my one cup and I'm all set and whatever. So I, I tried your three cups of coffee today and it was horrible. I don't, and I can't ever do it again. I over caffeinated and it was miserable. So you're gonna just outlive me and I'm gonna have to be okay with that. Too much coffee. I never heard of such a thing. It was but, terrible. Uh, no, I get it. When I I know you don't work from home, but I'm still working from home. And when I work from home, I can get I can get through the day with one to two cups. But whenever you go into the office, sometimes you just need three, four, five cups to deal with all Jeez, the small four or five. Oh. I feel like wow. Oh, so my last job when I was going into the office, I used to drink uh, continuously throughout the day. Just finish my cup, go back, another cup. Finish my cup, go back, another cup. Some of the guys I work with do that, but oh my, I don't know. I don't think I could ever get there. Yeah, I'm surprised my heart hasn't stopped or I haven't had any issues yet, but apparently (laughs) it's healthy what I'm doing, so I'm going to keep it up. I was a little bummed out whenever I figured that out. I used to be like kind of against it. I was like, no, I will not be a slave to coffee. And then, then you look into it and you're like, wait. Every study done points that it probably is good for you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, oops. As long as you know you don't get like sugary stuff from Starbucks, like all that crap's not good for you. But like the actual just pure black coffee that you grind up is actually good. Yeah, if you just get the beans and and grind them up yourself, or even if you just get a, a bag of ground beans, I mean, it's all good stuff. So, but get like the you beans. said, yeah, you go to Dunkin' <laughs> or uh, Starbucks and you get. <laughs> five scoops of sugar in there and a little bit of vanilla and caramel, then you're just kind of uh, defeating the purpose. So I swear that's their business model. They actually do try to get you hooked on whatever they put in their coffee because that stuff is so addictive and like they just, people just keep coming back. So I, I will swear by it. That absolutely is their business model. Yeah, I believe addiction is the name of the game for them. What a mess. <laughs> because I don't know what it is, but uh, something about Starbucks's uh, Cafe Americanos just reel me in. <laughs> yeah, you already know. All right, let's get on to the real <laughs> stuff. So we had, we had an awesome week because we had two massive upsets in the DeFi world, decentralized finance, which is like my love and my heart and soul. So early on, or early in the week, last episode we recorded, we did how El Salvador is adopting Bitcoin, which is as like a legal tender currency. And it's been really fun because they've already run into problems like half a week in. Uh, we'll do that next week because I want to give that some time to marinate. So in the middle of this week, it was yesterday or the day before. It was awesome. And like I just I woke up, I get on Twitter and everyone's going crazy because the guy. So do you know what Coinbase is? Yeah, um, I actually have it downloaded on my phone. It's uh, Isn't that where you can actually buy the cryptocurrency and then you transfer it to your blockchain or is it vice versa? Think of uh, think of Coinbase as kind of like your Charles Schwab, your Morgan Stanley account yep. specifically built for cryptocurrency or crypto projects. And they are, they're a public company. They went public recently and there was a big uproar. You know, it was one of the, everyone has to have Coinbase, you know, meme stocks and all that stuff. So they've been, they've kind of had their share of the limelight. And recently, the thing in, like the new hot thing in the cryptocurrency world, crypto world, has been uh, staking and getting a yield from your coins. And what that means is that you get paid interest like you would in a bank account by lending your tokens out into the world and letting people use them in terms of liquidity. Like it it just, it, it makes everyone able to trade easier. You're not waiting as long because there's more liquidity in the market. It's a good thing for everyone. Here's the kicker. The yields are like eight to twelve percent. That's really good. That's great interest. I mean, <laughs> if if I could earn a guaranteed eight percent on my investments the rest of my life, 
every year, every, I don't know how often they pay interest, but if it's more than a, if it's more often than a year, that's amazing. I think it's APY. So I think it's yearly. And so after seeing, cause you know, like banks give you what 0.5 of a percent, like they don't give you any interest at all. Bond yields are ridiculously low. It's hard to find a bond over 5% pay. Like it's ridiculous. And you, again, you're gonna have to wait five, 10 years for that. So you can imagine the SEC immediately threw a massive bitch fit and they <laughs> were not happy. So uh, what happened was the CEO of Coinbase got on Twitter and he, uh, he, he, he quoted, he said, the SEC is doing some shady stuff. And, uh, and he wrote a whole long thread about how the second they were gonna introduce yields, they got this big notice that the SEC is gonna sue them if they come out with it, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wait a minute, people have been doing this for months, like other companies do this, blah, blah, blah. And it's really weird because it's true. Other companies have been doing it. The thing is, I don't think those other companies were public. The other side of that is that all the memes were like, um, they're like, oh yeah, the guy who invented Coinbase doesn't know what a security is by definition. By definition, a security is just a contract between a buyer and seller for an asset. It's it's pretty much just like, a security is almost anything you can list on a public exchange and acquire or sell an open marketplace. That is a very, very layman's terms definition, but that's the basis of the situation. Yeah, the suits are always gonna win. <laughs> I, I mean, believe me, I'm rooting for Coinbase, but... Um, at the end of the day, if the suits don't like something about what they're doing, they're going to shut it down. Right. Gary's so, not happy. Gary's going to get his way. We'll see. Yep. So <laughs> our boy Gary. Our, yeah, our boy Gary was not having it. He's well. He's you know said this whole world's the wild west. We don't want to. We don't, we don't really want this to exist on this level anymore. We want to have some say in it. They they want to take their cut, which is I understand why. I'm against it, but I understand why. So my question was, is I had a couple questions right now. My first one was, is decentralized finance technically a sector now? So like, like when you do your investments, you, you want to hit like, you know, energy, uh, communications, telecom, stuff like that. Like those are sectors of companies, like types of companies. Is DeFi a sector? That's my question. I think it could be. I mean, if you truly want a diversified portfolio, that's a place to put your money where if one sector crashes, that necessarily won't be affected by the i don't know healthcare if you got money in healthcare let's say healthcare crashes i mean it's just another way to further diversify your portfolio and your investments and just provide some peace of mind and security i, I think i'm in agreement and the big argument that people have against our agreement here is that they say well there's nothing backing it like there's no actual company i'm like but wait a minute now there is because all the a lot of these things are projects and ecosystems that are they're like they're, there's companies there's stuff behind them there's projects that are working to improve lives and to actually create value so now there is something behind the you know the token that was going to replace the dollar which okay that's another topic we'll, we'll get back to that because that is actually something i want to talk about at this point <laughs> but if we're establishing that it is a sector I like that. I'm all in for it. Because I mean, it would say what, if you have four holdings and everything, it used to be there's 11 sectors, you have to have four of each that comes out to what, 44, 44 securities, and you're fully diversified. Add another one in there. That changes everything. I'm all for it. I love it. I think, um, I don't know, people will, will be grumpy and say that, like <laughs> you said, there's nothing back in it. Don't do it. But it's there is not now. a sector. It never could be. 
but um, I think it's the way of the future, and I think um, the world's going to continue to move in that direction. Yeah, well, I mean, things like Ethereum and Cardano are two of the really big ones. So those are those are kind of buzzwords almost at this point, but they they're they are literally ecosystems with full with a full portfolio of projects behind it to solve different problems. That leads me to my next question. I want to talk about the purpose of stablecoins, and we're going to kind of introduce this concept real quick. So, a stablecoin is essentially a token, or it's one of these DeFi securities. Again, I'll try to use as layman terms as possible. It's it's a it's a one of these tokens of securities, and it's pegged to a currency or a, a national asset, basically. So, like the argument for these stablecoins is that they are backed by something. So, USDC, US dollar coin, is one of these that's come out recently, and it is backed by the U.S. dollar, essentially. It's pegged, well, not backed. It's pegged to the dollar, which means that it reflects the movements and valuation of the dollar. So this leads us to the most important part of this long, drawn-out topic. Does Federal Reserve involvement or SEC involvement defeat the purpose of the stablecoin and DeFi? Because that's the, the point of DeFi is to get away from the central bank and to let, you know, power to the people and all that stuff. But if you have a stable coin that acts exactly how the dollar or I don't know, the Canadian dollar, Australian, any of those, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose? I, that's exactly where my head was at, because if the dollar crashes one day and, um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum is the way to go. Well, now all of a sudden the, the pegged stable coin just reflected what the dollar did. So what's the purpose? Right. Well, what I kind of think is going to happen is I think a lot of the, you know, Morgan Stanley's putting a lot of money into this. Visa, I know, did MasterCard, a bunch of these really big companies, these big banks operating. They've put a lot of research and development into stable coins because they want to have assets covered. So, you know, like the traditional purpose of a bank was where you could go hold your money, know that it's going to be safe and you're going to get your set interest rate. Rates are so flipping low that we need to find different things to put our money into. So, Ben Carlson, who's uh, one of the guys from Animal Spirits podcast that I reference a lot. I love Animal Spirits. They're fantastic. Give him a follow. Listen to him. He called it, he said, uh, stable coins are essentially the new money market instrument for the crypto world. And I thought that was a good explanation for it. He did a little blog. Go look it up if you want to read more. But I think we've talked this one to death. Yeah, I I agree. I think we said all that there is to be said. And uh, ready to move on to the next point of today's show? Yep, you're up. All right, so a new product today, new product alert, new tech. Um, We got another pair of augmented reality glasses that came out today. Uh, If anyone out there knows me, knows I love uh, augmented reality glasses. I wear glasses every single day. Um, It's a big thing. I own the Bose glasses that can play music, and I own the Snapchat spectacles that can take pictures. Well, these new glasses are Facebooks. They're finally at the party, and they partnered with Ray-Ban, actually to make a pair of video capturing Wayfarers, if you know that uh, design. It's kind of got the rounded bottoms and the top frame is very heavily defined. But the name of the glasses is actually the Ray-Ban story. So it's definitely Ray-Ban's name first, Facebook second, but make no mistake about it. These are Facebook's glasses, it's their technology and it's linked to their ecosystem and their platforms. Ray-Ban is just the partner providing the glasses, the name, the branding, the chic look, They went on sale today, actually, September 9th, uh, the time of the recording. So I guess it would have been yesterday when you're hearing this Mm -hmm. um, for $299. They only weigh five grams more than the normal glasses without the tech in it, which is actually, uh, I know that's metric system, so it might not mean a lot, 
but th I mean, that's actually really light compared to some of these other augmented reality glasses. And reports say that the weight's evenly distributed, so you could even forget that you're wearing glasses that can take pictures, record videos, and even play back music. Um, so that's the other big thing is that it streams music. So they kind of took the Bose glasses and the Snapchat glasses and merged them together. Jeez. And then they can also share photos and videos directly to your Facebook or Instagram account, which I think is the big kicker because young people may not use Facebook as much, but if you can take a picture of a mountain while hiking and upload it right to Instagram from your glasses, uh, it could be a big draw. Um, battery life too, uh, real quick here, yep. six hour battery life. When you stream music though, it goes down and they're offering 20 different variations with three frames. So you got the Wayfarer, uh, the other two names are round and meteor frames. And they're also giving a clear lens variation. So you can wear them all indoors as well. All right. I got a couple thoughts. The first one is this is the new selfie stick. I'm calling it right now. Yep. I agree. I think it's going to blow up and I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to outsell Snapchats and I think it's going to outsell uh, Bose's. Totally. It's, yeah, it, so the Snapchat glasses were like the Cybertruck for this type of product. Like it was just too funky, too weird, too big. This is great. Absolutely fantastic. I, I, I swear these are going to sell like hotcakes. I mean, yep. 300 bucks, people pay way more than that for way dumber stuff. The second one is that this is definitely just Mark Zuckerberg's way of getting everyone's retinal scans. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. And they're chic too. And he did it smart by connecting it with Ray-Ban. When it's Snapchat, no one wants to buy a pair of Snapchat glasses because they don't make sunglasses. You're giving them $300 for a piece of plastic that no one's going to recognize, has no branding. And to be honest, you have no clue what the quality is of those sunglasses. You're pretty much just paying for the tech. Yeah, Ray Bans, Ray Ban. Ray-Ban. Yeah, you're getting a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses, which everyone knows the reputation of Ray-Ban. You know who Ray-Ban is. Yeah, they're awesome. And I heard and actually saw them, the, the little lenses, they have one little lens on each side of the glasses where the stems are. They're barely noticeable. It's very sleek. And that's the one thing people are worried about is how many people are just going to be sneaking little photos every, uh, I don't know, everywhere. About. If you've ever used Snapchat or Twitter, I mean, this already happens with phones. People are really sneaky. So what does a pair of Ray-Ban, like a normal pair of Ray-Bans go for these days? I actually don't even know. I actually just bought a new pair of Maui Gyms uh, a couple months ago. So I know it's too. not Ray-Bans, but uh, about $200. They're okay. all about in the same ballpark. So probably 220 on average. Yeah, that premium is not very big. This is going to be no problem. I'd, I'd bet. Okay, so everyone go buy Facebook stock. That's not financial advice. That's just probably a smart thing to do in general. I mean, it's, it's a decent company to own. But I, they're going to sell out so fast of this stuff. Is, is Ray-Ban public? Can we, can we look um, that up? That's a good question. <laughs> Who owns Ray-Ban? I, I want to bet on them. <laughs> yeah, but um, but this is just the tip of the iceberg, too. Uh, Zuckerberg didn't say directly, I don't think, but... These have been in development since 2019, and you better believe they are working on augmented reality, uh, like visual stuff as well, uh, kind of along the lines of what Apple's trying to do. So sooner or later, these are going to evolve, maybe version two, version three. Uh, it's, it's only going to go up from here. This is only the first offering from Facebook in uh, the realm of wearable tech. So yep. just be ready. We, we've touched on it before. I know Zuck, Zuck is like a metaverse guy, which is, I'm serious, look this up. Just look up Mark Zuckerberg metaverse because you have to see some of this crazy stuff that he's saying he's predicting. It's unbelievable. I, I can't do it justice, so I highly recommend looking it up. But he, I mean, he's basically predicting like 
the world is just going to be online forever, which I don't believe in because, you know, we live in the physical world. But uh, I don't know. He's saying some crazy stuff, and this is this is step number one. So <laughs> we're on the way. Did you find anything on Ray-Ban? Uh, here, let me do a quick Google search. Um, let's look. Is Ray-Ban public? Ray-Ban is owned by a company called Luxotica, and they became publicly traded on January 24th, 1990. Wow. All right. So yeah, I'd bet on Luxotica. There you go. There's your non-financial yep. advice, financial advice for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And if you lose all your money on that, we... We're sorry. The advice not from us. <laughs> well, you can bet on us, and then we definitely won't make any money either way, but that's okay. All right. You ready for the next one? Yeah, on to the next one. I just wanted to touch on, there was a great article in the journal the other day, it was earlier this week, and it was talking about how IPOs look a lot different than they used to, because it used to be, IPO came out, and, you know, companies said, they, they were flashing profit numbers. They were like, this is it, this is, this is how much money we've made, this is what we're gonna make, and it was all about shareholder value and just creating money, creating money, and numbers, 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 and no one could understand a damn thing. And then, you know, the IPO would happen, everyone would pile in, the private people have already been in for months, so they immediately sell their shares after it goes public and flies up. It tanks. Everyone loses except for the big wigs. That's how it goes. It doesn't go that way anymore. One, it's more inclusive, and people are able to get into IPOs now, like Robinhood even started off or some of them. Additionally, the ESG, which is environmental social governance firms, uh, they are, so the big investment firms all now have ESG branches because that's what everyone wants these days. It's, it's like you get to flash that instead, instead of the numbers, you flash your mission or you flash like we have the most diverse board in the whole sector and we've included everyone of every color, gender and everything because that's what people like. That, that's, that's, that's looked on as a good thing in today's investment environment, which I'm all for. Go for it. And it's, it's really changed the way that we do IPOs. I, I love this article about it. I'll, I'll link it below. Uh, it was talking about how used to be when the ESG firms piled into something, it didn't make it a good investment and it would usually crash. Nowadays, they've kind of figured it out. So now it's no longer just, oh, we have the most diverse board, we have this mission statement. Now it's, oh, we found a way to make our mission make money. There's a great company that I need to go find. But so do you remember when we were kids, the big thing was, oh my God, we have to recycle and save the trees. Remember that? Yep. Yeah, we've kind of fixed those problems and they kind of went away and now we have bigger problems to deal with. So. This is why I'm never worried when stuff happens. You know why? Because there's firms over in Ireland that figured out a way to pull trash out of the ocean, recycle it, and still take a profit on it. We will find a way to make these things make sense. It's awesome. As Jeff Goldblum stated in Jurassic Park, life <laughs> finds a way. Yeah, but <laughs> we will always find a way. I love and that's it. That's why I'm always relaxed as well. Yeah. We will always find a way to make these things make sense. We'll always find a way to fix things. Uh everyone harping on doom and gloom uh all this and that you know it is what it is but my boy jeff goldblum that's a quote to live by life finds a way yep my boy naval ravikant says what is this like casual optimism is the way we've proven it time and time again it will work itself out I was like, love it so mm -hmm. the next thing that we're doing because i know we're already running pretty quick on time the next thing you actually beat me to as you know we do our planning for these shows i came up on the planning because i was a little bit late and i was like god damn it joey beat me <laughs> you know, but that's a good thing because that means we were looking at the same thing do you want to lead yep. it yeah i can i can lead it off and uh, you can take it over but actually credit to my girlfriend she actually sent me it which caught my attention and then i actually beat john to it so i guess she kind of beat us both here two heads are but, better than um, one 
Yeah. Or free, and she actually saw it, uh, probably the same source we saw it from, uh, The Morning Brew, again, free plug for them. There you go. But, Love um, The Morning Brew. Sign up immediately. Yep. Yep. But essentially, Amazon announced today that they will be paying 100% of college tuition, including any associ associated fees and textbooks for all of their hourly employees in the United States. Uh, the number rounds out to about 750000 beginning on January 2022. Yep. There's a couple different points to make about this that I know you actually wrote them all out, which is great. They're only doing it for people after 90 days of employment. So you got to be working there for three months. And I guess their hope is kind of like, oh, you're going to see the Amazon way and we're going to we're going to give you a reason to come back within that time. So you don't just use this for free college of them. God, they could afford it. <laughs> I know they could probably pay down all our student debt and uh, we they could still have billions and billions of dollars. So I'm sure some uh, some someone with blue hair on Twitter has already done that math. I can promise you that. And if you look hard <laughs> enough, you'll find it. But my it's point true. that I wanted to make about this is that Target and Chipotle have already been doing this uh, for a little while. They have different parameters of when they start paying and how they start paying. But this is like it's like a new thing. So a lot of these physical labor companies, but while they're now investing in robotics and technology to solve their labor crisis, they can't find people to work for them. So what they're doing is they have to offer these crazy incentives like free college. It's awesome. Here's the problem that I see. Their investments are going to pay off and they're going to find a way to do the same amount of work with no people. So I think a lot of people are kind of waiting for that higher payday, but it's probably not going to happen. We're just going to have to adjust and find a different way to do this, which I'm totally okay with. And the joke that I kind of wanted to make is like, everyone's like, Amazon has like 90 second bathroom breaks or you get a fine or something like that. Like they have like ridiculous rules that you have to all this productivity stuff. And I was like, Amazon will literally pay for your college, but it won't give you a bathroom break. <laughs> it's so backwards. <laughs> They'll send you to college, uh, handcuff you to their company, and then work you to death. Yeah, seriously. Oh, they're crazy. I mean, plus, we'll, everyone pay attention to the Amazon news and the whole the, the social governance of Amazon is interesting around the holidays because it comes out that all these people are having to work these ridiculous hours, you know, like 20-hour days, just all this insane stuff. So always be on the lookout. It's, it's good to hold them accountable. Yeah, always good to hold these large corporations accountable. If uh, if they're left unchecked, then who knows what will happen. So Yeah, I mean, that, well, so that's a great point. That's always my argument because there's really two camps. Like in the Twitterverse, I love Twitter. I think it's a great place to get the opinions of the world, even though many are, they're all just opinions. But it's a great way to get like feeling how everyone's feeling at that time and see a lot of the ways that people are reacting to stuff. So the Twitterverse is basically divided into two camps. It's the one entirely pro-capitalism well this is why we have this or aren't you scared of inflation blah 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 and it's all these finance dudes who think they know what they're talking about but my god they've missed the point point. and the other side is oh my god everything should be free blah, blah blah and you know they go on this whole tangents of like it's insane capitalism's failed us and i'm like wait a minute there's a really happy medium here both of you are doing a really good service on one side the the, the first side i mentioned is doing good because they're like, okay, we need to be focused on creating value. This is awesome productivity and all that stuff. You may be going about it wrong, but you're helping. The other side is also helping. You know why? They're pushing these accountability things. Even if they don't get their goal, they're going to get some marginal version of their goal and it's going to be good for everyone. It'll improve all our lives. So both camps are good. Be nice to each other. Yep, exactly. And it, it's a shame, you know, both camps can't agree more. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Don't get me an started. extreme, ex an extreme either way. Extremes are bad yeah. either way. But whenever they come together and you take, you know, a little bit from one side, a little bit from another side, put them together. That's whenever you get progress. And uh, we talk a lot about progress on this podcast. And progress is good. Any type of progress. I mean, 
At the end of the day, that's all we want to do is just to progress as humans. And some people have their own ideas on how to progress and other people have their own ideas and they're both extremely differentiated <laughs> and on two opposite sides of the spectrum. But yep. you take a little bit from each camp and uh, you get what we're looking for. So Yeah, I have these awesome hopeful dreams that by the time we're like 40 or 50, everything's gonna be great. Everything's gonna be automated. You can have the products you want and it's not gonna take away anyone's freedom or anything. I. I have so many hopes and dreams to the world of DeFi. I think it's going to change everything. <laughs> I'm so obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, we'll get there as long as your boy Gary doesn't shut it down. Well, he's, he's again, he's on the second camp, and what he's doing is important because it, the, the SEC was purely created for the purpose of making sure that shareholders are not screwed and there's not a lot of fraud going on in the background. So they do serve a really good purpose. And as much as I harp on them because I'm a big free markets guy, they – they do serve a purpose. They have a job and they do do their job, even if they go a little too far sometimes. But that's, that's my plug for it. All right, ready for the next one? Yep, let's go. Okay, this one's interesting, I thought, because I learned something that I didn't learn before. There was another article in the journal I saw. It was talking about, it said, flu season's gonna look a whole lot different these days. And I was like, oh boy, let's dive into this one. So it was the, you know, begins with, you know, the worst thing that we could possibly have is a double pandemic of influenza and COVID. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. And I said, what scientists are struggling these days is they're trying to figure out which version of the flu shot they want to basically recommend and give out to everyone. And I was like, wait a second, there's different versions of the flu shot? Turns out apparently <laughs> there's multiple different strains of influenza. And every year, all the scientists kind of get together and they say, hmm, which one do we want to really focus on this year? And they basically just pick one of the many strains and say, yeah, we think this is going to affect the most amount of people. This is all new information to me. I didn't know there was more flus. You can't redo math. Like, math is math. This is new to you. Yeah. I didn't oh, know this. Oh, man. Yeah, so what it is, they, they take a look at the data. I don't know what data they look at. They must have some spreadsheet somewhere, and they track which strain, you know, they're forecasting to be the worst that year, and that's the vaccine you get. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't get vaccines uh, for the flu, because you can get a flu vaccine, but you're still not protected. I mean, you can catch... I don't even know how many strands there are, but there are numerous strands. You're only protected whenever you get a flu vaccine from what the experts forecasted to be the most prevalent strain for that year. That's funny. I, I have literally no idea. So is that why every time I get a flu shot, I still get the flu and it's horrible? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just terrible. you could be getting the flu shot based on the projection of which strain was going to be the worst in the whole United States. So if there's more people, obviously Florida's full of people now, but if they're going off data based around California and New York City, uh, it may be completely different than what you're subject to down in Florida. Maybe I'm just getting malaria from one of the 10 million mosquitoes. <laughs> that could be it too. So could keep be. your head on the swivel. Well, it's funny you say what you said because that was the end of the article was we're hoping that more people are going to learn about this and hopefully get a little more confident in inoculation. I know that's, that's been, a, again, not a political podcast. We're not going to go down that route, but that's been a big, uh, big theme this past two years is everyone's really, really dove into the whole vaccine inoculation thing. And, uh, and so that, that was the hope that was coming out. It was like, you guys have been doing this for so long. Uh, maybe we should all start learning about what we're doing and so that we can understand it and not be scared of it. I was like, ah, well, makes sense to me. <laughs> Exactly. Whenever you understand something, it makes it a little less scary. So. Yep. Totally agree with that. All right. 
So I want to have a top three for Monday or Tuesday. So I'll, I'll try to get that going or you suggest something. Either way, you can always do uh, submissions.feelgoodfinance at gmail.com if you have questions, suggestions, anything like that. But otherwise, I think that's going to wrap us up unless you have anything yeah, else, Joey. No, yeah, I'll take us out on a quote uh, for the weekend. Another quote from uh, one of the series that I love. I'm sure you can guess which one, but it is, if you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. I, you're shitting me. That is not your quote. I just read that page. Uh, it's from Harry no Potter, way. Goblet of Fire. Yep. 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 It's yep. the same and thing. It is. It was about the house elves. And I was like, oh, that's a great quote. That's so funny. <laughs> I can't believe we read the same thing. <laughs> That is too funny. Yep. Oh, well. That is one of the ones I had jotted down from when I reread the books. It's uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, actually Sirius Black. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite characters. So. Yep. That's great. All right. Meeting of the, the synergistic nerd minds. There we go. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Have a great weekend. We'll see you Tuesday morning. See you Tuesday.